You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 153 of the Canadians Connection Podcast. We've got a great show in store for you today, but first, a word from our sponsor. Football's right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for Week 1, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a million-dollar top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. And get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast. It's episode 153 here on Rocket Sports Radio, where we keep you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Christian. I'll be your host today, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Um, great to have you back in the in the hosting chair. Uh, great, great to be back, back on the show with uh, yourself and Amy Johnson uh, to start off the season. Amy, who hosted the last two episodes, so it's, uh, glad to be back. And Chris will be here and 
for the next two episodes, uh, for this episode and, and next episode. Uh, for people that don't know, Chris has um, been with Rocket Sports. Uh, you're, you got to be getting close to your your ten uh, year anniversary pretty soon. And and uh, you and I hosted. Um, you were the host of the Habs Three Hundred and Sixty podcast, uh, almost two hundred and fifty episodes. And uh, you slid over uh, to become the in arena reporter for the Laval Rocket and our senior writer on both All Habs and, and AHL reports. So uh, it's a lot of fun to have you back uh, on the podcast. And um, I'm looking forward to a great show. Uh, it will be a great show. And by the way, I'll, I'll be waiting for my uh, 10-year anniversary gift in the mail. Yeah, that's right. A gold watch or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, for sure. And just... Uh, the last show that I hosted was episode 92. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, and that, and today we're going to talk about uh, number 92 of the Canadians. Uh, I'm sure his name will come up here and there throughout wow. uh, today's episode. What a connection. I, I know. What a you're doing, con- you're doing a connection on the Canadians' connections. It, it is. <laughs> so in today's episode, we're going to take a look at some roster news. Uh, the big news, Canadians have potentially found themselves a new centre. Uh, we're going to have a Habs prospect report. And in the big segment topic, we're going to take a deep dive. Well, you know, it's it's no point teasing it. Every Habs fan across the world knows that there's a Jesperi Kotkanemi offer sheet out there with the Carolina Hurricanes. We're going to take a deep dive on that in the second uh, segment. And And before we kick off... You know, just want to, I want to remind you that uh, every Monday, it's my self-promotion time, Habs <laughs> Notepad uh, comes up. You can see that on, um, on ohabs.net, published every Monday morning uh, during the 6 a.m. hour. And then Tuesday to Friday, uh, Rick, he publishes the, uh, the Habs headlines every Friday morning at 6 o'clock, where we focus, the primary focus is on... Um, different stories around the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, this week, in the past seven days, uh, a lot of the attention was put on the Jesperi uh, Kotkaniemi offer sheet. So so a lot of that was covered in this week's Habs headlines. But believe it or not, there was other Habs news, Rick. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if anybody <laughs> knows that. There, there was something else besides Jesperi Kotkaniemi this week. And here's a couple of stories. We'll call them some feel-good uh, story to start off with. Uh, a couple of golf tournaments that uh, took place in August. Uh, Jake Allen, he raised $70,000 for the uh, Chalmers Foundation through his golf tournament that took place on uh, August 12th. And uh, Jonathan Drouin, number 92 that we spoke about earlier, uh, raised $810,000 in support for the Chum uh, the CHUM Foundation in his golf tournament that took place on August 31st. And believe it or not, there was some hockey news that came out from Joy's um, <laughs> uh, golf tournament. We'll get to that in a second. So always great to start off the, the show with uh, a couple of feel-good stories. Absolutely. And and listen, it's um, these guys obviously work hard during the season, but... Uh, uh, during the season, off season, they're they're uh, with their it's it's the time. And Dominic Ducharme had his uh, golf tournament, and uh, Jake Allen with his in Fredericton, um, in the in the New Brunswick area, and uh, raising money. Jonathan Duran uh, himself uh, has been attached to uh, the the Chum Foundation, and 
And so great, uh, great fundraising efforts by uh, all those uh, individuals. And, and uh, those are just, you know, one of the, the things we try to do with Habs Notepad and with Headlines is to, um, to save you the trouble of searching all over the, the internet to find information about the Montreal Canadiens in the summer. In the off-season, all you have to do, one stop, uh, every morning, go to allhabs.net and you'll find little news capsules. Uh, it'll, it's, it's an easy read, uh, five to seven minutes, and you'll be all caught up for the day and, and uh, ready. We're, we're, we're only weeks away from training camp. You'll be ready once the season starts. And and the big story of the week, you know, Yasperka Kanemi signed a offer sheet uh, with from the Carolina Hurricanes to a one-year deal worth a 6.1 million and change. And we're gonna go through this topic in our uh, big topic segment. Uh, back to Jonathan Drouin's golf tournament, uh, Pierre Rudd, voice of the Canadians. He was there. He was a guest on uh, to participate in the golf tournament, and he had a conversation with Jonathan Drouin, and he asked him if he's ready to play center. If he was asked to play center, and Drouin said yes, he would. And Pierre Rudd relayed this information on his daily hit on the 91.9 uh, Sports. And Rick, I teased it at the start of the segment, but how the Canadians found themselves a new center. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I appreciate uh, Jonathan Duran um, uh, left the Canadians in, in April. We still don't know the reason necessarily, um, but uh, Dom Ducharme said he's he's ready. He's been training. He's at Broussard, uh, and we appreciate the enthusiasm that he's ready to come back and take on whatever role possible. Uh, the center position, uh, that's something that, that uh, was a failed experiment already. Um, we remember when, when Mark Bergevin traded, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, um, you know, a, a top, uh, blue chip, uh, prospect at the time. And, and we've seen how well he did with, uh, Tampa in, in their two Stanley cup wins, uh, for Jonathan Duran, Jonathan Duran was supposed to be the savior, the, the, the player at center, uh, that could come in and, and, uh, that the Canadians had been waiting for so long and it just, it, it didn't work out. Um, that first season with the Canadians, tried at center. Um, he just wasn't uh, either willing or, or capable of playing that two-way role, those, those additional responsibilities that are required uh, for a center. He ended up in the season a minus 28. He ended up, um, when you look at goals against per 60, he was the worst forward on the team, and it affected his, his offensive production as well. Um, it, it just wasn't there. So... Um, to say that he's going to come back and 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 take on that role again, um, I, like I say, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but especially after uh, not having played for a while, I, I just uh, and if and if pressure was one of the reasons that he left, I, I just don't see him moving into uh, you know one of the top two uh, center roles. So, so I agree that uh, that the drawing experiment was a failed experiment, but if I'm looking at the current roster, I'm thinking that at some point, Sherm, like he he might be tempted to to use him at center, like you know, is even if you look at the at the center line right now, like even for even before this whole Kanyemi offer sheet came uh, came to play, 
Bergevin was st- was looking to shop for for a center, so it's, mm-hmm. it was still relatively thin. Let's say if a Suzuki gets injured or whatever, because Kanyemi isn't on the roster. Like if Bergevin doesn't go acquire somebody else, like the, the, the Ducharme's options are limited. So I, I think unless Bergevin moves, it's I think we there's a chance that we might see this down the uh, down the road. But I it was like you said. I agree that was a failed experiment the, the first time. If the Habs do that, it means they're in trouble. But I still see that it uh, it there's a slight chance that it might happen at some point during uh, during the season because of limited options. But it's really important, I think, that regardless of the Kalkaniemi situation, that there needs to be some added um, some another added sentiment mm-hmm. on the uh, on the team. Um, let's move on to, uh, to to our next news item. Cole Caulfield, uh, on Saturday, he was on there during a Badgers football game. And uh, it was in a game against uh, Penn State's Nidalee Lions. It was in recognition of his, um, the, the Baker, or the Howard Baker, or the Baker Award, excuse me, that, uh, that he won uh, last season. So it seems, and we even saw it during the playoffs, the the football player, like now I, I have a memory blank, um, who was the football player that kept tweeting about Cole Oh, Caulfield? yeah, that's right. Um, uh, uh, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. Um, so, yeah, J.J. Watt, uh, an alum of, uh, of uh, the University of Wisconsin, like Cole Caulfield. Um, so, yes, a very he was very supportive of Cole during the playoffs. Uh, and, uh, and, and and I should Ron say I, I I should say that that uh, that uh, that was even when uh, Cole Caulfield remember Cole Caulfield didn't start uh, the, uh, the the playoffs in the lineup uh, so JJ Watt was advocating uh, to get him in there um, but yes a a, a, a a nice recognition uh, for Cole Caulfield he was uh, University of Wisconsin's male athlete of the year last year and winner of the Hobie Baker Award. Yeah, and a uh, f- former Canadian prospect Ryan McDonough was also there, just you know, just to keep that connection alive with uh, with the Canadians. Well, both both Canadians uh, first round picks and both uh, alums of of University of Wisconsin. In, in other news, the Canadians announced that the red and white scrimmage will be held on uh, Sunday, September twenty sixth at uh, three p.m. Uh, with doors opening at one p.m. and all tickets are already on sale. Uh, the posted price is ten dollars on a first come first served basis. We didn't check the secondary market, but they're probably up to a million dollars for a pair <laughs> or something. It's the first time that the fans will be able to see the Canadians at the Bell Center since um, since the Stanley Cup Finals of of last year. So half the proceeds will go to the Montreal Canadian Children Foundation, the other half will go to uh, La Table des Chefs, and the scrimmage will take place. The following day, after the first exhibition game versus the the Sens, which will now be a 7 p.m. start, and to note that as per the Quebec provincial guidelines, the capacity for the game will be capped at $7,500, fans, I should say, and social distancing and appropriate sanitary measures will be placed at the Bell Centre. And just like the provincial guidelines, all fans will be required to show their vaccine passport in order to gain Entry. The interesting thing about that, and I think that first uh, exhibition game is against uh, the Leafs, as you said correctly, moved to a seven o'clock start than the 
than the uh, uh, um, inter-squad uh, game, uh, the scrimmage, red-white sc- scrimmage, the next day. think that uh, that inter-squad scrimmage is already sold out, but as you said, there's always the uh, secondary market to check. Uh, but the inter- interesting thing is um, being limited to the that 7,500 mark, uh, of course, the Canadians' uh, capacity for the Bell Centre for Hockey is 21,302, um, so about 35% um, uh, that the Quebec government is allowing. And uh, it was being reported that that is also, that number, that 7,500 number, is going to apply uh, to home games for the start, at least, of the the. Uh, regular season so not they the canadians will not have a full building uh on opening night yeah and, and we've seen uh don't want to get political but we saw like a lot of the decisions that were made by the provincial government seemed like they were led by the canadians and the schedule and the playoff so so who knows what happens like yeah. with our, uh with the provincial guidelines from now until the start of the of the regular season because even at the playoffs and during the Stanley Cup final, Canadians have made a request for 10,000 fans, uh, which wasn't approved by the uh, provincial government. And I wouldn't be surprised depending on how the situation is in the province that, you know, it might get um, approved for a larger crowd. And every time there's been approval, it hasn't been, it's never been an exception for the Canadians. Every time the Canadians were uh, allowed to increase fans, so were other venues right. in the in the same situation. So we'll see if um, if anything happens from now to the start of the regular season. But you know, who knows when the Habs are involved? Habs are the most powerful brand in Quebec, so they'll have they'll have the word to say in this. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of hirings for the Montreal Canadiens. We'll start with the first one. Uh, Canadiens seems Rick. Uh, it was just I'm snooping around that we discovered that Canadians hired Dale LeBlanc as their strength and conditioning coach. No announcement on this, uh, and there's been a few times that's happened uh, this summer. Uh, the Canadians we know uh, are uh, overhauling their sports uh, science and performance uh, department. Uh, that is uh, now being directed by Adam Doug- Douglas. That was a big profile, high-profile hiring. Um, and, uh, and, and he, he went, once he was hired, said he would be looking for a uh, strength and conditioning coach. That seems to be, uh, Dale LeBlanc's. We don't know much about him because there hasn't been, a an announcement, uh, other than, uh, he was a, a PhD student at Queens, uh, and, and was working in hockey in strength and conditioning. So, uh, he's been added to the website to the sports science and performance department and uh, as soon as that announcement uh, comes out, we'll give you f- uh, more information on Dale. Yeah, so we never know. So what? What they might be taking the Lou Lamorello approach. They might be signing like three, four uh, people and then making one big announcement. <laughs> well, could be. <laughs> they might be consolidating. All right, let's go to the Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. And speaking of snooping around on uh, on the website, uh, it was discovered that the Rocket have a new video coach, Daniel Harvey, 
uh, is listed on the website as a team's video coach. It was a role that was held for many years by Marco Marciano, who's still on the site as the, the goalie coach. Uh, what we know from Daniel Harvey is the last two years he spent it as an assistant coach with uh, the Concordia Stingers at uh, at U Sports, and he also spent a year in the Quebec AAA Midget, uh, being assistant coach with uh, the Saint Eustache uh, Vikings. So, Rick, another an- announcement here for uh, an announced announcement by the Rocket. It's interesting, uh, and and listen. Uh, Goaltending, being a goaltending coach is time-consuming, as is being a video coach. And if you ever watch Marco Marciano after a game, uh, and uh, especially on the road where where he has to go and and wire wire up a, a, a setup for himself uh, to uh, take the video clips and all of that, it's you know he's got a full-time job. We know that um, that the Canadians um, are also restructuring their goaltending department uh, that's uh, to be um, headed by Sean Burke. Um, so this is this is probably part of that. Marco Marciano has survived uh, the, the change of, of a couple of different um, coaching administrations. Uh, he stayed on after the Sylvain Lefebvre. Uh, was let go and and uh, and uh, Joel Bouchard moving on. So uh, he's a great guy. He's a great goalie coach. Uh, the 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 goalies who have been in Laval really appreciate uh, his hard work, uh, and it looks like he's going to be devoted. We're assuming full time uh, to uh, uh, goaltending, being a goaltending coach, and now with um, Daniel Harvey moving in as video coach. And Rick, correct me if I'm wrong. Like Marco Marciano was also in St. John's and was also in mm-hmm. was he in Hamilton? He was in Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he has quite uh, the tenure. He's probably like the coach with the longest tenure right now in the organization. <laughs> so it's quite an honor to have. And uh, as well, we found out through uh, Twitter uh, through an article that was posted by uh, in France that the Laval Rocket have hired Stéphane Gervais as their strength and conditioning coach. And uh, again, this is this is uh, an unannounced hiring that um, uh, that the Rocket will have. Uh, Stefan Gervais uh, has spent uh, the last eight years in Grenoble, um, and uh, is is part of the the uh, expanding uh, Laval Rocket coaching staff, hockey operations folks. If we uh, so, let's move on now to. Um to our next topic of discussion. And well, on Thursday, uh, the Ontario Hockey League Commissioner David Branch announced that uh, London Knights player uh, Logan Mayu, uh, controversial Canadian's draft pick this year in the first round, has been suspended definitely as a result of an incident that occurred November 2020 in Sweden while, pl- while the player was on loan. And uh, it violated the league's expectation of the appropriate conduct of an OHL player. So it's to note that it's the same incident that we that was discussed at the time of the draft. It wasn't a separate incident. And uh, Logan Mayu will have the opportunity to apply for reinstatement uh, to to rejoin the league uh, as of January 1st, 2020. And the decision will be based in part in his conduct since he returned back to the country appropriate treatment, counseling, mentoring, and any education that he's received since uh, the date of this decision, which was uh, on Thursday, I guess. So Rick, what are your, what are your thoughts on uh, the, this latest 
uh, news that broke in the story. Well, we covered this pretty extensively um, and went through um, on a, on a previous podcast. We went through it very carefully and and uh, and as analytically as as we could. And um, this relates, of course, to an incident that happened when Logan Mayo was uh, on loan in Sweden. Uh, in November of 2020, um, it was an incident that uh, where he was not arrested but charged. Uh, that uh, in December of 2020, he um, uh, uh, satisfied the terms of of, uh, the, of Swedish law, and uh, then it kind of stayed quiet and emerged uh, just before the draft, and and we know how that all came out. Um, it's it's um, the Canadians had said that um, that he would not be uh, well actually there was there was kind of mixed messages Trevor Timmons said he would be at uh, rookie camp and then they rescinded rescinded that invitation the Canadians said he would not be invited to rookie camp or training camp um, but that he would be playing in the OHL for his rookie season um, and uh, and, and that he would be under the supervision of both the Canadians uh, and the London Knights um, during that, that time. Uh, Logan Mayo had started training camp. Uh, actually, uh, London Knights uh, training camp uh, happened last week between Monday and Wednesday. Um, certainly the, the uh, NHL scouts that were there and, and saw him um, in London, in the Budweiser Arena, said uh, one of the quotes was, uh, he's just dominating, he was the best player on the ice. Uh, and this came out um, after the training camp was over, the, the ruling by Commissioner um, uh, David Branch of the OHL, and said uh, he would not be eligible to play. Um, for the first uh, three months, I think it's 29 games uh, 20 of, of the London Knights season. Um but he's still allowed to practice with the team. Um, so this is really limit. Uh, the other part of that is that uh, the WHL and the, the Q, the QMJHL, came out and said that they would uh, respect and honor the suspension in the OHL. So that limits his options even further. Uh, so what can happen? Um, he can go to back to Europe uh, to to play um, if he gets a release from the OHL. Um, I, I don't know how likely that is, uh, you know, the, the Canadians could, I suppose, um, um, bring him, um, to, to the, I don't know, the ECHL, um, uh, it's, it's, it's really complicated or, you know, let him, let him continue to practice and stay out of the limelight uh, with the, the London Knights uh, for the first few months, apply for reinstatement, and then take part in the second half of their season. Um, it's, it's, it's a really difficult situation uh, for Logan Mayu. Um, I mean, he's, he's met the, the terms of, this, of Swedish law, uh, but it seems like he just keeps getting punished over and over again, and, and that's got to be difficult and frustrating for him. No, for sure, it must be difficult for him. And and from the options you mentioned, I think it would be like the, the last one that is more the most likely to happen. Like he'll he'll practice with the team, and he'll continue whatever steps that uh, this action plan that uh, Jeff Molson spoke about that we put in place for him. Uh, that's what I expect to happen from now until January, and then January, assuming everything goes well, he get he'll get a chance to play. I don't think 
he, he wants so and I don't think the Canadians want any more attention like right now on um on Logan Mayu for you know, for reasons other than you know than good news. So yeah. we'll uh we'll definitely keep you updated on on things evolve. Uh just a reminder, be sure to uh read the content at AHL.report and listen and subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal, which is our sister podcast. And Rick, why don't you give us a preview of what's upcoming in the next episode? Well, if you missed it, um, AHL guru, as I've been calling him, Patrick Williams, has joined the Rocket Sports team. Um, and um, every second week, an article comes out. His first one's uh, going to be out in a week or so at AHL.report. Um, on the AHL, on prospects. And every second week, he joins the Press Zone podcast in a bit of a hot stove uh, discussion uh, with myself and Amy Johnson. The three of us... This week, are going to be tackling the issue of viability in the AHL. Uh, the AHL and certain franchises have been teetering. It's been very difficult during during the pandemic for them, and uh, with with rules, with the the uh, the, the limit on on uh, you know ticket sales, their very gate uh, uh, revenue generated kind of kind of uh, league. Uh, we're going to talk about how how teams can remain viable uh, for this next this upcoming season. So it does sound like I must listen for uh, the episode that uh, will get published on uh, Tuesday. All right, let's move on now and talk about a uh, the NHL pipeline report that was posted by uh, the Athletic on uh, Wednesday. The Montreal Canadiens ranked 11 on their list and in terms of eligibility it was all skaters who are 22 years or older as of september 15th regardless of how many nhl games that they've uh, that they've played and if we look at the top three for the canadians nick suzuki cole caulfield Jesperi kotkaniemi and then uh, alexander romanov and uh, kaden gooley were uh, the standouts uh, sorry rounded out uh, the top five on the athletics uh, list and Rick, you follow the the the, uh, the prospects, uh, the ones outside of of the rocket, like a lot closer than I do. Was there anything in this list that uh, stood out for you? I, I think it's a it's a good list, and and uh, as you said, um, uh, this is uh, put together by Corey Pronman. Uh, some of the the prospect uh, rankings don't include. Uh, NHL prospects once they've reached a certain threshold of NHL games, he just he just uses a, an age cutoff. Um, the Canadians were ninth uh, last year in his survey. Uh, they've dropped a couple of spots. Um, I I I, th- I think uh, there's no question that that he's he's uh, got the top three right: uh, Suzuki, Caulfield, and Kotkaniemi in that order. Um, and 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 then going on to Romanoff and Gouli and and Paling uh, Ryan Paling who um, you know may be the beneficiary of of some of this uh, yes Barry Kotkaniemi talk uh, in in the lineup and had a great season as as we both saw uh, last year in Laval um, I think the interesting ones uh, for me uh, in this list are are uh, Riley Kidney at ninth, who, um, you know, is a, is a new entry. It was, was, uh, uh, just drafted in the most recent, uh, draft. I, 
I loved um, uh, Jan Meshack playing 22 games last year with uh, the Laval Rocket. Um, he, I, I, I don't, and and he may be he eligible to uh, to to play with the Rocket again this year, but I think he's probably going back to the the Bulldogs from what we're hearing. Um, the Hamilton Bulldogs, that is. Uh, but I just like his energy. I like I like his work ethic. Um, Sean Farrell is in here. Uh, had an amazing season um, in with Chicago, the USHL, um, and and now graduates to uh, to Division One NCAA hockey this coming year. Um, there, there's lots of interesting um, prospects. Um, we're going to have our eyes on Jesse Alonen uh, as well. Um, he had flashes of, of great play last year with Laval and disappeared at times. Um, I think uh, I think that it's uh, an exciting time to keep an eye on the prospects of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and for Elonin also, it's like he was also adjusting to the different tie size, like the, the, the size of the rink. So I think uh, I think this will be a, a good year for him, where he he got enough experience, where uh, where he's adjusted. I would say now to the to the North American play uh, coming up. Um, let's move on now to a couple of NHL notes. On the Friday, the NHLPA and the NHL announced that they've concluded an agreement with the International Ice Hockey Federation that essentially confirms a break in the 21-22 NHL regular season schedule in order to accommodate the participation of NHL players in the upcoming uh, Winter Olympics in Beijing. That being said, here's the little star. The agreement allows for the possibility of a later decision to withdraw an event evolving COVID conditions are deemed by the NHL and the NHLPA to render participation by uh, the NHL players to be impractical or unsafe. So it seems like there's an agreement in place that will allow the players, but it seems like, uh, I don't know, 50 other things need to have gone the NHL's uh, way. So they, they said that, for example, like if the um, if they have to reschedule games, that they might have to be forced to use the NHL break, uh, the Olympic break so the players don't participate. And there's all, all kind of other conditions that uh, they need to go through. But Rick, even though it's not 100% guaranteed that uh, the players will be in Beijing for the Olympics, I think it's still good news for the fans and also for the players because the players, uh, they've voiced several times over the years that they want to participate in the Olympics. Players love this. Uh, owners hate this um, because of the possibility of, uh, well, uh, for a number of reasons, the owners hate this. The possibility of their players getting injured, uh, shutting down for almost a month in the season. We've, we've talked about it before that the Canadian schedule in February has just two games, one on the 1st of, of February, and then I think it's the 26th of February. Um, so the owners have had difficulty with this and, and there were some things to be ironed out as far as, um, the NHL and, and the IIHF and, and having access to, uh, uh, clips and, 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 uh, those kinds of things. There was insurance involved. Uh, the IOC was involved. It's, it's been, very complicated, um, and the, the NHL and the NHLPA have kind of built in, uh, you know, the possibility that they're going to have to invade that space, invade those few weeks off in February, 
if the conditions are such that, uh, um, you know, games are being um, um, canceled and postponed, uh, they want to have to be able to use that space. But I think it's going to be very difficult now that they've made uh, announcements, uh, now that people are starting to project lineups. Uh, a few episodes back on the Canadians Connection, we talked about uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens' participation in the Olympics. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult. Some Something major uh, will have, uh, have uh, happened and we don't want that um, um, for uh, the the uh, for the NHL players not to be going to the Olympics, I believe. And uh, in the not surprised category, uh, I guess um, <laughs> a friend of the show, I'll call him in the wink, wink, in the in the air quotes, Alan Walsh. Yesterday, he tweeted how he was happy that uh, the players will get to participate in the Olympics. And I believe on Saturday morning, I think he read the entire memo and wasn't as excited about it. So <laughs> surprise, surprise over uh-huh. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Thursday, the NHL announced it's a 2021-2022 COVID protocols. Like uh, the COVID protocols have been evolving as, uh, you know, as, as we all go through this for the first time. And Rick, when I read the conditions of, um, of uh, that the unvaccinated players have to go through like, the, the extra measures or anything like honestly like to list them here I'd be here listening to them, I think for at least uh, <laughs> an hour and a half two hours to list all the things that the unvaccinated players uh, have to go through like the, the last estimate was that it's approximately 95% of the players are vaccinated but it sure seems for those 5% players Rick you're making it really difficult for them uh, they are. Um, I, uh, you're, you're right about the, the uh, protocols. Um, I downloaded uh, the full document. It's 27 pages long in written in uh, legalese. And uh, so it's difficult to wade through. Uh, but yes, uh, there, there are all kinds of um, restrictions, particularly on the un- unvaccinated players. And uh, there's, they've allowed, um, you know, there's the, the, the big takeaway, I guess, is that uh, if unvaccinated players uh, contract COVID, uh, then uh, teams can deduct pay um, from them. Um, if, if vaccinated players uh, test positive for COVID, they're treated, it's treated like a hockey injury. Um, and, 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 but w- there are exceptions uh, for those who have um, uh, chosen not to get vaccinated uh, if they have a, uh, um, a religious reason, if they, if they, believe, if they have family members uh, that uh, would be affected by them getting the vaccination. They have, um, you know, all sorts of, of, of exceptions. Uh, so this is going to be... I think there's going to be a fight between the, the players and the teams and the NHLPA um, once um, once this all starts uh, happening, if if it starts uh, affecting um, and, and 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 yes, there's all kinds of, of, of restrictions as far as uh, not being able to go to, especially on the road, not being able to to go outside, uh, going and. Uh, uh, go to stores to to go outside to go to other players' rooms to um, all those kinds of things. So it's going to be complicated to ma- manage, especially for the equipment staff. 
um, of, of all these teams. Um, but they've got it ironed out and, and, uh, we'll see how it, it, it works in practice, um, this season. Yeah. Something, uh, definitely something that, uh, will be interesting. And, and I think like, we'll cause even the players to report to training camp, the unvaccinated players, you know, have to quarantine for seven days, uh, prior to it. So it's all these, even hotel rooms, like the unvaccinated players, have to be alone and they, they can't nobody can accompany them besides uh fully vaccinated family members so it's uh, really in detail so if you if you're if you really need some um reading material if you're laying outside by the by a beach or something or on the patio you know that 27 page document i can still hear your computer is running rick i think it's not finished downloading yet the interesting it's, part uh, in in that is the uh there's a whole there, there's a bunch of, of redacted parts, parts that are, are completely blacked out in the document. Um, and, and some of it relates to personal information, contact this particular doctor at this clinic and, and here's the phone. Number. And, you know, some of it's, it's a lot of detail and you understand the redactions there. But um, interesting that it's, it's that sensitive an issue that there's redactions throughout the document. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so it's time to take our first break here on the Canadian's Connection. Coming up next in our big topic segment, we're going to get into detail about the uh, Jesperica Kanyemi offer sheet that was signed with the Carolina Hurricanes. Stay with us. This is the Canadian's Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects? Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to the Canadian's Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G, and you can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at 
all Habs. And also don't forget you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And just a reminder, if you already haven't, hit the subscribe button for the Canadians Connection podcast in your favorite podcast app, which is likely the one you're listening to us right now. So don't forget, hit that uh, subscribe button, leave a rating, leave a comment, and uh, let, let everybody know about the uh, Canadians Connection. The big news for the Canadians it happened last Saturday, uh, right after the, the last episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. It was announced that uh, Carolina Hurricanes tendered an offer sheet to Jesperi Kotkaniemi that he, he signed. It was a one-year contract worth $6.1 million. Let me try to pronounce this. $6.1 million and $15 <laughs> uh, for the contract. And it also came with a $20 signing bonus. The Canadians have seven days to match the offer or else Kakanemi will go to the Carolina Hurricanes and the Canadians would obtain a first round and a third round draft pick from Carolina for this year's uh, entry draft. As soon, so the way that we found out about the, um, about the offer sheets was through the Carolina Hurricanes social media account and they made sure to get some attention from Canadians fans from, and from the entire hockey world. And it started off with the um, with a simple announcement, you know, with a graphic of Esperikot Kanyemi, followed by a French announcement of the offer sheet, followed up by a press release with the only words on the, on the body of the tweet were LOL. And the content of the press release had the exact quote that Mark Bergevin had made when he offer sheeted Sebastian Ajo in 2019, except it was apparently Don Waddell making those uh, comments right now. Uh, we saw him, we saw the Carolina Hurricanes posting uh, Uno cards, you know, meaning that it's uh, that it was their turn now or whatever, the, it's their turn to make an offer sheet. So, so Rick, they made, uh, the, 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 the Hurricanes were able to grab attention right away on on uh, on what he did uh, listen there there um th- this wasn't something that happened uh um, quickly it's uh, it was obviously well planned it was well played it was clever uh they were jabbing they were they were poking the canadians they were poking mark bergevin and uh and and you had to respect the 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 either good-natured or not, uh, <laughs> trolling that they did um, uh, in their announcement and, and changing their, uh, you know, the, their Twitter account to, uh, to French and, and uh, even to the, to the extent that uh, Don Waddell was unavailable for comment because he was at the rodeo and he actually was at the rodeo. Um, it, mm-hmm. was, it was... It was they 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 uh, um, you know were obviously upset by uh, the S- Sebastian Aho offer sheet two years ago. They made a point. Uh, they got the the attention of the hockey world uh, in doing so, and um, and and you know the, the Canadians uh, in their offer sheet. Uh, I think it was clear that they were trying to insult. Uh, the owner, um, and and uh, the owner didn't uh, take kindly to that. Uh, 
Uh, so when there was an opportunity, and this this was an opportunity, uh, Don Waddell struck and and uh, and and filed a, an offer sheet, tendered an offer sheet to Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Kotkaniemi signed the offer sheet, uh, and that situation was made available because uh, Kotkaniemi is a restricted free agent and had not yet been signed. Uh, by Mark Bergevin, uh, the negotiations were going pretty slowly, and and uh, uh, so this opened a door for the Carolina Hurricanes. And and Rick, like here, I'm just gonna slice in here a bit my opinion on on this whole thing. Um, like the Carolina Hurricane social media team, I think that they did their job. Right, like yeah. uh, that's what the social media team's job is to do: is to get attention, to get people talking about like their brand, which is the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think 100%, like they they get an A plus for the way that they that they handled that situation. One thing that still uh, that bothers me about, and and I, sh- I should clarify this by by saying that I'm not mad or upset if KK for signing the offer sheet. You know, like you said, like the, there was reported that the Canadians' offer was, you know, it's various reports, but it ranged between two and a half and three million. The reports that were out there, that the Canadians were offering per year. So the Hurricanes offered six million, right, which is a double of of a salary. So ninety nine percent of the folks, including myself, w- would sign <laughs> that that offer sheet. So I'm not mad at Kotkinemi for signing the offer sheet. The piece that I, I found that. It's um, a little unfortunate, and that KK was part of it. Was that twenty dollars signing bonus and the fifteen dollars like that was added into uh, into the to the AAV to the cap hit? You know, the twenty is for Sebastian Ajo's number, the fifteen is for Kotkaniemi's uh, number. So, so in in this for, for that part of it, I see like Kotkaniemi becomes guilty by association for it, for for being part of it. And I also feel that th- those extra pieces, like the, the $20 and the $15, um, and even the press release, I have a feeling that that didn't come from Don Waddell himself. Like, Don Waddell's job is to build a winning team and to win games. And, you know, it's social media's job to create the buzz about them. I think the owner had a lot to uh, to do with some of these tactics that were that were that were used. Oh, I think you're. you're I think you're 100 right. I think that, um, and and we'll talk about uh, the Aho um, uh, offer sheet. But um, there was various parts of that offer sheet that were meant to insult uh, Tom Dundon, and I think he was he felt insulted, and so he, this was uh, uh, in their discussions. I'm sure that uh, that that. Um, these elements that you talk about, uh, and yes, the the the, the numerology uh, of including Aho and Kakinyemi's numbers, um, those were to send a message uh, for Kakinyemi and his agent. You know, I'm getting six point one million dollars. I don't care how how you get there. <laughs> um, um, I, I don't necessarily, fall, but but we should say. Um, there have been players who have been approached uh, with offer sheets. Braden Point is probably the best example uh, who said no. Um, and that happened. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Kakinyemi should have said no. They're, they're completely different situations. Uh, Braden Point knew he was going to be part of a, a, 
that the the offer sheet came uh, before the the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning won two consecutive cups, uh, so it, it made sense that. Um, um, uh, Braden Point turned down, and and we don't know the financial terms of what he turned down. Certainly, you know, uh, anywhere from two point two million uh, to to uh, as you said, uh, almost three million. Uh, we don't know what the, but those are the the figures being reported, and that's two and a half times, almost three times uh, the six point one uh, that the the Carolina offer was. Um, so. Uh, I, I don't fault Kakinami either for uh, uh, taking it and the fact that, um, you know, I think there's probably a difference in the relationship uh, between Braden Point and the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and Jesperi Kakinami and uh, the Montreal Canadiens, or at least I don't think there's a, a problem with his play with uh, his teammates, but with, Mark Bergevin with uh, uh, Dominic Ducharme and before him uh, Claude Julien, um, you know, there's there's been um, an issue, um, a deterioration of 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 the relationship um, to the point where um, you know he he wasn't Kakinami wasn't used in the first game uh, or the last two of of the playoffs. Uh, curious decision, given that he was the second leading goal scorer uh, for the Canadians uh, in the playoffs. Um, but just indicative of, of that deteriorating relationship. And, and I think that probably had something to do with the fact uh, that uh, he didn't feel respected and um, welcomed this offer from the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, and, and I agree uh, uh, about that part, about the usage of Kotkaniemi in relationship definitely did have uh, something to do with uh, with him signing that, that that deal as well. And you know, I just just to finish up on that on the first part of the of our conversation with the numerology on the contract and all that, I also do believe that there's a chance that you know Kotkaniemi or his agent, you know, told the Hurricanes that you know like forget about this twenty dollars, like we don't want to be part of it. And like uh, Tom Dutton said, well, if you don't take it, there's no deal. <laughs> so then it's like okay, so what do you? So then you you kind of sign it. But then it's still like, if if the Canadians match it, it puts them in a difficult situation. Like when it comes to like to salary cap management, I'm wondering even how would this affect the relationship between the Canadians and not his teammates. Like uh, I think the teammates, I don't think they would be uh, impacted by this offer sheet because they understand it's a business. And if they had, if they were in Kotkaniemi's shoes, they'd probably do the same thing as well. So I don't think there's there, there'd be any damage on that end. But when it comes with the coaches, with the management, with I don't know, with the owner, with uh, with the fans, it's I, I think there's no there's a no win situation for Kotkaniemi to come back in Montreal after this uh, this point and that's one of the reasons like in in uh, in Monday's notepad last week when uh, the officer first came out I said that Canadians I felt that they're not going to match I still feel that way that I think they're not going to to match the offer can you imagine the pressure that Kotkaniemi would have in Montreal whether it comes from the management from the coaches from the fans, from the media, being attached to a $6 million contract for one year. I think it will become very difficult for Kotkaniemi, and it will only set him up uh, to fail. No, that's fair. I, I, I think that's fair. 
Um, but I think we should we should look a bit at the the history of this and and if if this was a reply to the uh, Sebastian Ajo offer sheet tendered by Mark Bergevin July first of twenty nineteen maybe maybe we should uh, take a look at that and and uh, you're welcome to start if you wish. So I started on uh, in July first of twenty nineteen is when the offer sheet was made five years forty two million dollars for Sebastian Ajo. So the the AEV on on that contract you know wasn't outrageous. It wasn't an overpay. Like uh, Bergevin was counting on the fact that uh, Dundon, the, the the Hurricanes owner, wouldn't want to pay. I think it was twelve or thirteen million that you would have to pay out in in the first year of the contract. Uh, there was some kind of rumors. Uh, you know, obviously there were unfounded rumors that uh, Dundon wouldn't have or he wouldn't want to cover that uh, like the the huge amount of the signed bonus in the first 12 months of the contract but it was really it was once the 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 offer sheet was made public the hurricanes right away i think it was within hours that they uh, that they announced their intentions of matching it and even Don Waddell came out saying that he he was thanking the Canadians because they made his summer a lot easier because well, the Sebastian Aho negotiations were pretty much over on July 1st. Where, look at this, uh, this Jesper Kotkaniemi, it's dragged on. Obviously, can't compare it to July 1st because the free agency was later, but it's still dragged on over a month after the um, the free agency date. So guaranteed retaliation. Uh, there's no doubt about that. For sure. Um, and, and the, the, you're, you're right. The, um, there was, I, I think that, uh, Mark Bergevin and the hockey people were getting pretty bad information from, um, you know, either that there was a lot of talk in, in the, the Montreal media about that Tom Dunham wasn't a real, uh, a millionaire. It turns out he's a billionaire. Uh, but that his money was, you know, uh, tied up and, and, uh, and he couldn't really afford the team. And, uh, I think they, they completely misread that either, either the Canadians or the, the folks that were giving him advice. Uh, there's a huge difference between being efficient or trying to be efficient and being cash poor. And, and Tom Dundon came in with a new approach and, and each position was being evaluated for what it was worth to the organization. He had a ceiling on each position or a maximum that he'd pay. Um, and, and he was trying to, to, to uh, approach it, uh, you know, in kind of a money ball situation. Um, and um, that was, that was uh, with the, the Aho offer, um, it was entirely uh, reasonable, um, and and it was even team friendly um, that uh, that the Canadians make, which is silly. That's not the point of of an offer sheet. Now the insult came in the huge expenditure in the first year. I think the salary was around seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand. That was his salary. The signing bonuses in the first calendar year were twenty one million dollars, um, which which. Uh, the Canadians were counting on Dundon not wanting to pay. Um, as you said, it was matched. Uh, well, the, as soon as it came out, everyone in the hockey community said, well, why wouldn't they match that? That's going to be matched in an instant. Um, just an hour or so after the, the Canadians made the, the, uh, tendered the offer sheet, 
the the Carolina Hurricanes social media uh, put out a poll uh, and said, will we match the offer for Sebastian Ajo? And the two responses were either yes or we uh, in French. Uh, so um, I, again, the social media account being playful, but uh, it was a certainty that they were going to match. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Don Waddell said, uh, uh, we, we might extend this out a few days because we don't want to do them any favors. Uh, but it was clear right from the outset uh, that Carolina was going to match because it was easy to match. Uh, and like I say, that's not the point of, of uh, offer sheets. It's to make it difficult. It's to make the, um, the, the decision difficult. And in, in that case, sometimes you have to overpay to do that to acquire the yeah. player. There's, there's both the uh, acquisition cost and the, and the, uh, and, and, and what would be a reasonable salary. Uh, yeah. And I think, like you said, I think the, it, for an offshoot to work, it has to be an overpay. And, and I think everybody agrees that 6.1 million for a is, um, mm-hmm. is an overpay, but, but that's how, that's how a team obtains his rights. Cause after that, they still control him because he'll still be an RFA at the end of the year. And then they could negotiate a better contract with uh, with them, and so so that's why this offer sheet, like we'll we'll, we'll find out on Saturday, like if it was successful or not. But even if it gets matched by the Canadians, I think it was still a successful offer sheet attempt by the the Hurricanes, regardless if they end up with uh, Kalkanemi on uh, on the roster or or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spoke about the media's reaction back in July 2019 to the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet from the, the Montreal media. There was a couple of um, reactions, reaction from the Montreal media as well for uh, in, in the offer sheet to Kotkan Yemi. And there was even one article that was posted by Jack Todd of the Gazette. Uh, it caught it, even caught the attention of the Carolina Hurricanes social <laughs> media team. Well, it was it was so outrageous and so backwards, uh, so extreme uh, that the the Carolina Hurricanes had had fun with it, posting uh, a link to Jack Todd's article because um, Jack Todd was all over the fact uh, it's it's uh, uh, this offer is so illegitimate and and childish and and uh, not like the Canadians' offer, which was honorable and. And it, 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 he had the whole thing backwards, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I know he doesn't like Tom Dundon. I know he, you know, he's, he's fairly political. He doesn't like anything, uh, the U.S. And there's reasons for that. He, he, uh, he escaped the U.S. And, um, so it was, it, yeah, on, on, on the extreme side of, of reactions, uh, from the Montreal media. And also from the from the French media perspective, uh, we, there's Renaud Lavoie from uh, TVA Sports, who is their uh, the network's uh, NHL insider. He made an appearance on the Sportsnet uh, radio to discuss the uh, Kotkaniemi offer sheet, which is not a surprise, you know, like uh, especially in the in the summertime with no hockey and news like this would obviously take over sports radio for for the seven-day period that uh, it lasted. And, and Rick, we have a clip of uh, Renaud Lavoie's appearance on uh, Sportsnet. I'm just saying that if you look, it, it, it's, it's, in a way, it's childish. It, it, and, I, I mean, 
man up, man up. You got an offer sheet. One of your players received an offer sheet two years ago. And when you look at that offer sheet, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. You're not happy, but it, it, that offer sheet, if you look at Sebastian Ao, $8.4 million per season, totally makes sense. $6 million at the Esperico Kenyemi, no problem. If It's your money. You can do whatever you want with your money. But is it the right guy? Are you picking the right guy? Should I maybe wait another year? I don't know. But I, I'm not convinced that Yesperico Kenyemi is the right guy right now to receive a, a, an, an offer sheet of $6 million for next season. I mean, it, it, it's uh, that, it, you know, uh, I was doing a radio in uh, Sportsnet Vancouver earlier this morning, mm-hmm. and they, they asked me, Renault, it must be a front-page story at Montreal. It's not even a front-page story. <laughs> you know why? Because it's a, it's a total joke. It doesn't make sense. So... <laughs> <laughs> that that was uh, an overreaction that was way over the top. Um, I mean, he was talking about uh, the Canadians' offer totally makes sense. Well, it, it it didn't. Obviously, it didn't. It didn't work. It 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 was never had a chance of of working. Um, no, but Rick, I disagree there. It, it, it made sense. That's why the Hurricanes matched it. So, <laughs> well, it's because it was a, it was a good contract. Well, it was a very good contract, and but. But uh, Renault Lavoie seems to miss the point that offer sheets are not about nego- uh, not about a reasonable salary negotiation between the team and their player. It's a hostile offer of somebody coming in, swooping in, and and uh, overpaying to you know to to get the player and and say, and saying that uh, oh just wait a year and maybe maybe then Kakinyemi will improve and well no you want to take you want to take advantage and in this situation it's perfect timing of of uh taking a player who is not not the top player um you, you know you're not going after a Suzuki Reno goes on, um on to say they should have uh, targeted Suzuki no uh because Suzuki would have required more res- um um, giving up more. This is just a first and a, and a third round pick. Carolina is expected to be a very good team. Um, some of the betting lines have them top four in terms of winning the Stanley Cup in 2022. Um, so their draft pick, their first round pick is going to be a low or a late first round pick. Uh, this was the time. There's also, uh, they want to take advantage of this tension between the Montreal Canadiens and Kinyemi. The length of time it's taken for the um, the the salary negotiation, the um, the fallout from him being uh, put in the press box for three games in the in the Stanley Cup final. This is the perfect time. Um, so uh, I I don't I don't I, I really don't believe that Renault Lavoie doesn't understand the dynamics of of a, of a, an offer sheet situation. I think he's just being super partisan and. And we know that, you know, he's sometimes the mouthpiece of the Canadians. They leak things through him. So uh, he's just showing his his uh, loyalty here, but calling it childish and come on, team, man up. And uh, he's getting a little uh, over the top there. <laughs> and and you touched upon it uh, a couple of minutes ago uh, earlier in the segment about Kokinemi's development and his usage since he was he was drafted from uh, the Canadians so in his in his first training camp with the Canadians he he impressed management he impressed uh, Claude Junior he impressed Mark Bergevin at that time 
and resulted that he made his NHL debut at 18 years old. And even at that time, there was a huge discussion point everywhere between fans, between experts, whether or not Kakenemi should have gone back to Finland to play some more before, before he makes his NHL debut. But the Canadians decided to keep him in Montreal. And he finished his rookie season with 11 goals and uh, 23 assists in uh, 79 games. So 34 points in his rookie year, you know, not bad. His sophomore year was marked by several injuries. And, well, he missed a significant amount of time. He And in ter- on terms of collecting points, he only had eight points through 36 games. He went to the Rocket, well, he was assigned to the Rocket, where he seemed to have regained some confidence and he, he he got a point a game, so it was 13 points in 13 games before he suffered a season-ending spleen injury. And then, well, the COVID break allowed him to recover and uh, return to play in uh, the bubble. And he had a key role in the bubble in Toronto, in the hub city, where uh, he, he recorded four goals during that 10-game stretch. This season... Uh, he was the only player, along with uh, Nick Suzuki, that played all 56 regular season games. Um, he, he obtained a total of 20 points while averaging 14.48 of uh, ice time. And whether it was at the start of the season with Claude Julien behind the bench or later when Dominique, Dominique Ducharme took over, Kotkaniemi's role, his line mates, line mates kept changing as well. And we even, there was a couple of games that uh, Kotkaniemi was played played on right wing with uh, Dano and Tatar. So talking about being used a little bit all over the place. And you mentioned earlier about uh, being a healthy scratch in the playoffs. He missed the first game and he, like taking a look back, like the... If Jake Evans hadn't gotten injured in that first game against Toronto, he probably wouldn't have played in game number two yeah. either. So it's been quite uh, the roller coaster when it comes to uh, Kotkaniemi and the way he's been used by the coaching staff, whether it was under uh, Ducharme's reign or under Kodrini's reign. Yeah, you said he had a, a good uh, rookie season, and he did. And that was the season he probably had the most consistency with respect to his role and his linemates. He he was uh, playing kind of a sheltered role. Um, he had fellow Finns, Armia and Lekkonen, on his wings uh, primarily uh, through that rookie season, and and he thrived. He was he was very successful. Um, and uh, I was one of the ones that, that uh, along with Saku Koivu, by the way, who was saying that he should have gone back to Finland. Uh, but after that first rookie season, I thought, okay, um, I guess the Canadians knew what they were doing here. Uh, but then, uh, you know, um, as you said, injuries and 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 certainly the issue with um, rotating line mates. And, and this, this last season, uh, when he, he had a really good, uh, uh, run in the playoff in the playoff bubble um, uh, a year ago, and and um, and then you know he he went and and had some time off. That that whole time going into the bubble, um, when he came in, he looked like a new player. As he had he had bulked up a bit. He looked uh, more dominating, and and um, and then between Julian and and Ducharme, they just. Uh, bumped them around and and um, you know there was actually a count uh, going on on Twitter that oh that's his 18th uh, set of of uh, uh, different uh, line mates that's his 19th and and um, it, it 
came to the point where he had more commonality with defensive pairs uh, than with the the guys on his wing. And that, that just didn't uh, help him. It, it didn't help give him confidence. It uh, didn't help him knowing his role on the team. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Canadians um, just didn't set him up uh, for success. Um, that's the, the bottom line. And, and that goes with with uh, uh, Mark Bergevin, that goes with uh, Claude Julien and, and Dominic Ducharme. Um, they, they needed to set him up to be successful. Um, and and uh, instead, uh, it, it, you know, each time they spoke about him, they didn't criticize him like they've done with other players necessarily, but they didn't show confidence in him either. And that was evident when, when Mark Bergevin spoke uh, after uh, the playoffs about the upcoming season. And now suddenly the Canadians, like, uh, they're, they're back to being fragile down, down the middle. Like, especially if, if there's no KK uh, with the Canadians this season, and if there's no moves made by Bergevin, the the center line for the Canadians once again, like it seems like it was it's been a story for I don't know easily a decade if not more. But the Canadians right now they're they're like a donut. There's a hole in the middle, right? They have Nick Suzuki as their number one, and then okay, if Kotkaniemi's there, okay, he slots number two, which is which is fine. You know, then you have Evans and you know one of the newest acquisitions that could play on the fourth line, the center orders, even Ryan Paling as well, that's in the picture. You know, that could play those type of roles. You remove your spare cut Kanyemi, and what if Mark Bergevin doesn't move? It's uh, it's not looking good. And and Bergevin, like we heard him at the press conference uh, at free agency, he's saying that he was still looking for a, a center if he finds one. If not, ah, you know, I guess we have no choice but we'll trust Kot Kanyemi. So if he was looking for one then, if the Canadians don't end up matching uh, Kotkaniemi's uh, offer sheet and he's no longer in the lost roster, he'll be looking for, well, at least two centermen. And at this time of the year, to get it in, to start in time for the regular season, it's an impossible task to get done. It was after the uh, the bubble playoffs when Mark Bergevin said, uh, he was quoted saying um, that during the bubble playoffs, Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi uh, showed us that we can build our team around these two young centers. And he, he I, I don't remember if he said for a decade, for uh, a dozen years, it, it, it uh, he was, he was making the case that uh, the position of, of, of center, the, the top two centers was now set. Uh, and um, unfortunately, as you said, we're back in the situation where it seemed like a perennial problem um, and, and in one of the, um, uh, headlines posts this week, um, on Wednesday, I, I, I went all the way back to the 2017 playoffs against the Rangers where, uh, the Canadians were ousted in, in six games and, and, uh, didn't have any kind of strength down the middle. The 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 centers uh, were Phil Deneau, Thomas uh, Placanitz, Brian Flynn, and Steve Ott. Uh, and they combined for one goal in that series. Uh, Canadians just couldn't score. Um, so just after that uh, that ousting, that was when uh, the the trade for Jonathan Duran was made as as the solution. Uh, Bergevin knew he had a problem, and he tried to fix it with Jonathan Duran. As we we spoke about that, that didn't work. 
Um, so then he went out and, and acquired Max Domi as the, the center, uh, trading Alex Galchenyuk. Um, you know, Max Domi had uh, some success, I guess, but he wasn't, uh, the, the, the center position and him weren't, weren't good friends uh, as far as the defensive responsibilities and the face-offs. Um, he, he was quoted as saying the only reason he ever won a face-off was uh, Arturi Lekkonen diving in and uh, securing the puck for him. Um, so uh, all of this was created the, the situation where the Canadians in the 2018, uh, NHL entry draft were, uh, well, Mark Bergevin was desperate for a center. Unfortunately, that draft, um, wasn't particularly strong draft, but it didn't, as far as centers, um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't very strong, um, Yet the Canadians were blessed with the the number three overall uh, draft pick. Um, so was Jesperi Kakinemi a reach at that point? Yeah, you'd have to say uh, he was. Most of the the uh, the the analysts that I respect had Kakinemi between eight and and thirteen uh, overall. So picking him at three was was uh, was certainly a reach. Um, you know, most of the fan, and, and, and I have to say myself, I was looking uh, at scoring, um, as an issue and Philip Zadina, um, a, a player from the queue that, uh, I thought would be a, a good ad and, and still, still would have been, he's been on a bit of a slower progression. Um, but the Canadians drafted by a position, drafted Kakinemi. And, um, and, and listen, when you look at, um, I, I know that uh, Brendan Kelly from the Gazette and Tony Marinero uh, from TSN were, were criticizing, and I thought it was a really good point from uh, Matthias Brunet, uh, who's uh, uh, one of the Montreal beat writers for La Presse. And he said, name, uh, you know, how many players from the 2018 draft have played uh, 100 games in the NHL? Um, and he gives the answer six, including KK, and he's one of the youngest of the crop. He has nine goals in twenty nine playoff games. Yet you guys call him a lemon. Uh, and if you look uh, at, uh, he's absolutely right. Uh, those six players from the twenty eighteen draft who have played a uh, hundred games in the NHL are uh, Svechnikov from Carolina. Andre Svechnikov went two overall. Uh, and just signed that big eight-year, $7.75 million contract. Uh, Brady Kachuk uh, with Ottawa Senators, and there's lots of Canadians fans saying you should have uh, taken Brady Kachuk. They weren't saying that at the time of the draft. Brady Kachuk was a bit of a, an outlier there. Uh, Rasmus Tallinn was selected by uh, the Buffalo Sabres. He went first overall. Quinn Hughes has been great. Uh, he went seven overall to Vancouver. Then Kakinami with 171 games played, uh, and Joel Farabee from uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, who just signed a six-year uh, at five million dollar um, uh, per year uh, contract. Um, he's played 107 games and fewer point, fewer games and fewer points than Kakinami. Um, I, 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 like I say, I wasn't on the the Kakinami train when he was. Um, uh, selected, but there it's it's reasonable to to look back and and see the reasons why uh, the Canadians drafted him. They really wanted a center. 
Um, I just don't think they've they've uh, given him the opportunity, put him in a position uh, to to succeed. And once uh, the trade, uh, the Pacioretty trade was made for uh, Suzuki, they kind of anointed him as uh, their their pick for number one center and provided him with all the support and line mates. Uh, and praise, uh, and and he's flourished. He's absolutely flourished and is the Canadians' undisputed number one center now. Uh, I just wish the the Canadians had done something similar uh, with Kakinyemi. And all that led to where we are right now. Like we're still weighing a decision if the Canadians will uh, will match the offer sheet or not if the canadians let katkanemi go to to the hurricanes and uh, for the two draft picks i think we could pretty much uh, almost guarantee that at least bergevin will be working the phones right like the famous line to try to acquire a center from another team and and there was two names that were been circulating one more than the other like the name that's been circulating out there the most has been christian dvorak who plays for the arizona coyotes 25 year old defenseman he has uh, four years remaining on his contract at a 4.5 um, million cap hit and he's a, a two-way centerman and he could play on the the penalty kill uh, penalty kill as well and he could also be used in a uh, in a shutdown role last season he played all 56 games for the coyotes and uh, he's obtained 17 goals 14 assists in uh, 31 as far total of 31 points and the second name that's that's out there is Thomas Hurdle, 27-year-old forward with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, he'll be a UFA at the end of the year, making 5.6 million uh, this season. Uh, Hurdle also contains a three-team trade list, so so therefore he will need to uh, give the okay for for the trade as well. And he's a centerman also with the, the Sharks. Last season, in 50 games, he recorded 19 goals and uh, 24 assists for a total of 43 points. So, Rick, what are your thoughts on those two players, or is there any other particular players that you think uh, the Canadians should be targeting? Well, the the name that, that Habs fans would, would like uh, targeted is, is Jack Eichel. Um, I, I don't think that uh, that's necessarily going to happen. We've heard that uh, Buffalo is asking for the equivalent of four first-round assets, uh, that's either picks or players who were picked in the first round. Um, but uh, Elliot Friedman said he didn't think um, that uh, the Canadians were, they, they, they checked, they, they inquired, but that were big players in the, the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. Uh, even with the change in, in uh, agent to uh, Pat Brisson, good friend of, of Mark Bergevin. Um, I, you're, you're right as far as the names that uh, have been in the mix. Uh, Thomas Hurdle is, is less so. Uh, you know, it's a situation where he's been, he's a little disgruntled um, in San Jose, um, playing there uh, as a, a second-line center uh, and played pretty well with when matched with Timo Meyer, a uh, player I like a, a lot. Um, but he, he kind of had a step back last year, a bit on the decline, um, and, uh, you know, kind of had fewer, his, his, his offensive game started to go. He had, uh, fewer offensive zone starts. Um, he's a solid face-off guy. Um, he had a bit of a rough season last year with COVID and, and his wife and baby also tested positive. So can he get back to playing that kind of, uh, tenacious style, gritty style, 
um, you know, Stalware uses his size uh, a lot uh, and become a good uh, second line playmaker um, and be rejuvenated with uh, some new line mates. Um, maybe, um, his, his, uh, you know, his offensive game is rather inconsistent. Um, but he's, he's the kind of guy that, uh, um, that you might see, uh, the Canadians be interested. As you said, Christian Dvorak, his name has been mentioned by just about everybody. And, um, I think that, that the Christian, that Christian Dvorak, he's played, uh, second line center for Arizona, not a playoff team. Um, is is a good third line center. Um, he's he's defensively responsible, as you said, a, a two way player, uh, not very dynamic. Isn't going to excite you by his play. He's he's he hasn't really been an offensive player since junior when he played with London, and he had line mates like Matthew Kachuk and Mitch Marner. Um, but he's you know he's got he, he's smart. He's got good hockey sense. He's responsible. Um, and, and you're just not going to, he's, he's, he's not a flashy guy on or off the ice. They say that he, you know, he doesn't smile. He's one of the quietest guys in the locker room. Um, but he's, he's a guy that's going to be able to play well defensively, be solid, be consistent. Um, and, and, uh, just, a you know, a, a, a two way player. Uh, he was a second round pick 58th overall in 2014, uh, but in one of those redrafts, uh, Corey Pronman, who we mentioned earlier, um, said that uh, you know he would probably be bumped up to 12th overall on his list. So um, he's got a lot of respect in 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 the league. And and would he be a a substitute for uh, Kakinami? No, obviously Kakinami's ceiling is much much higher than Dvorak, but Kakinami necessarily isn't at his ceiling right now, whereas Dvorak mm-hmm. is. And now just to uh, to finish on the topic of offer sheets in general, like there, there's been reports that also have come out uh, that the Canes, the Hurricanes and Kotkaniemi have already discussed, uh, I guess, of a framework of a long-term contract, you know, following the, the upcoming season, which would which would be for a lower uh, cap it than the 6.1 million. So, so the purpose was clearly the 6.1 million was to get Kotkaniemi's uh, rights with the Hurricanes and then do lower uh, cap it for upcoming years, which would make the total uh, combination of both contracts to a more realistic uh, cap it than the 6.1. And Rick, do you feel that this could be a, a new template that other general managers can follow? Or how do you think like overall, like what we're seeing now with the Carolina Hurricanes, how do you see it affect uh, like uh, hockey, like the, the other general managers? Well, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, they, the Carolina Hurricanes, as reported by Elliot Friedman and others, um, have have come to some sort of handshake agreement for a long-term uh, deal with Kotkaniemi uh, that could be announced, um, you know, next January if if uh, um, uh, the Canadians don't match and and he becomes a Carolina Hurricane. Uh, and it would be a, a longer-term uh, deal, probably more along the lines of a Joel Farabee, uh, who uh, I just mentioned signed with uh, with Philadelphia. That that seems like uh, a reasonable way to go about it, to overpay in the first year, to acquire the player, uh, then give him uh, a reasonable contract. 
Um, and, and, uh, but it's been, it's been messy and, and the, the sniping back and forth, we know there's hard feelings, there's hard feelings between the two teams, uh, the general managers. We know that, uh, at the time when Mark Bergevin made his offer sheet, uh, and even though it was easily matched, uh, there was general managers around the league that weren't very happy, um, because it, it upsets the overall league, uh, salary structure and, and drives up, uh, drives up salaries. Um, and we know that, that, uh, Mark Bergevin was chilled out of at least one, uh, trade, uh, because of, of, uh, in retaliation, not from Carolina, from another team when there was a, a trade, uh, can, almost done. Um, so it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that you don't see very often. It is rare. Uh, and, and I, and that GMs around the league don't really like to see. So, um, you know, maybe what happens is, is, uh, GMs say, okay, Canadians had their turn. Carolina had their turn. Now it's over and, and it goes quiet for a while. Uh, or as you said, the other option is that, um, that, that it's used as a template, but, uh, it requires really unique circumstances for offer sheets to work. And if they don't work, it can come back and, and bite you. And, and that has certainly uh, been the case with, with uh, Mark Bergevin. Mark Bergevin, too, uh, you know, the, 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 this isn't... If, if Kakinyemi goes to um, um, Carolina, um, it's going to be a pretty tough legacy for Mark Bergevin. Uh, there's since Doug Wickenheiser in 1980, there's in the last 40 years, the Canadians have only had two top three picks. Both of those have occurred on Mark Bergevin's watch, Alex Galchenyuk and Jesperi Kakinyemi, and, and he could lose both of them. Um, and that's just not good asset management. Um, and, uh, that's not going to be good for his legacy, particularly, um, if, uh, as as we heard him say that he's going to play out the string, he's going to uh, fulfill the terms of his contract uh, next season, and isn't making a long term commitment to to the Montreal Canadiens uh, at least not yet. Um, so this is this is messy um, and very complicated, um, and uh, I don't I don't I, I I I don't see it being used any more than it's been used uh, up to this point. No, uh, that's that's fr- and especially in a flat cap world, right? It's uh, I think that makes it even uh, more difficult. So, all right, so we're gonna take our final break here on the Canadian Connection podcast. When we come back, we'll tell you on what to expect this coming week. Stay with us. You're listening to the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 153 of the Canadian Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G, along with Rick Stevens, and you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And, well, there's lots of content coming through Rocket, uh, Rocket Sports Media over, just even over the weekend, but uh, throughout the entire week, and including... There will be a bonus episode of the Canadian Connection podcast. Rick, it feels like that LeBron James, uh, the decision from uh, from a couple of years ago when he was going to decide which team he was going to play for. So as we're waiting for the decision, like once that decision is made, there'll be a bonus episode of the Canadian Connection podcast with uh, with Rick and uh, Amy Johnson to talk about the, the decision that was made by the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, subscribe to our pod to uh, to Canadian Connection on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll you'll get a, the uh, early advance of when that episode will be uh, published. But also be on all our platforms the latest on uh, Sunday. So as we post- yeah, just to say as as we're recording now, we don't have a definitive answer yet. Uh, we presented the situation uh, as we can. Once there is an answer, we'll uh, we'll put together a, a bonus episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. And for you subscribers, you're going to get that right away as soon as it drops. Uh, and uh, for the rest, it'll be on our website allhabs.net. Uh, early on Sunday, uh, assuming we well, we will have the the decision by then. Yeah. Uh, the Canadians have until I believe that the, the their deadline is 5 p.m. Eastern uh, on uh, Saturday, September 4th. And and interestingly enough, we've had all kinds of of uh, activity, uh, false alarms on. Uh, on uh, social media so far, even even TVR has put out uh, a, a decision and had to delete their tweet. Um, so everybody is glued to social media, and uh, once the decision's made, we're going to record a special podcast for you and have that right out to you. 
And as all, you'll be able to get my thoughts on the decision Monday morning on the Habs notepad that will be published during the 6 a.m. hour on Monday. And then Tuesday to uh, Friday, Rick will be putting up uh, headlines on a daily basis with the news of, uh, of the previous day that allows fans to, to catch up. On Tuesday, Rick, uh, the press zone with yourself and uh, Amy Johnson talking about the latest prospect news. That's right, and uh, we'll have uh, Patrick Williams as well on the uh, our, on our hot stove edition of the Press Zone. So be sure that you're subscribed to the Press Zone as well. And if you um, are looking for video content, uh, we have Ben Danku who puts together the Habs Fan Forum and uh, and usually seven eight minute uh, a minute uh, videos that he pu- publishes that we publish to. Uh, our All Habs account on YouTube, youtube.com slash allhabs, the Habs fam forum. He has all kinds of uh, videos uh, that he's put out uh, on uh, who the, the ha- who he thinks are, are going to be the Habs' best per- performers this year. He's got some fantasy hockey uh, information, and his latest video is about his favorite uh, jerseys of the Montreal Canadiens. So you can leave your comments there for Ben and uh, let them know uh, which, which is your favorite. <laughs> and uh, as well, like on our the, the Kotkaniemi offer sheets, very polarizing subject as well on our social media platforms. For sure. Uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash allhabs is our uh, All Habs uh, uh, fan page on Facebook. Uh, we're we're just uh, inching closer to that fifty thousand uh, member community, and uh, we'll have that I'm sure before the uh, the season starts. So go to facebook.com/slash All Habs uh, and like the page so that uh, you'll get notified of of any new posts and and uh, and then join in the this the discussion. There's plenty of Habs fans there. Uh, from all over the world that you can uh, engage with. And Rick, well, it was a pleasure being back in the chair with you to uh, talk about this topic, this breakout Kanyemi, big news for the Canadians. Uh, glad that I was able to be here to discuss that with you this week. Great having uh, you here. Felt like old times. And uh, we're going to do it all again uh, next week, uh, next Saturday's episode of the Canadians Connection, September the 11th. So uh, you'll be joining me and uh, we want everyone uh, in our uh, Canadians Connection community to join us too. And uh, don't forget, special bonus episode coming up also this weekend with Rick and Amy about Jesper uh, Kotkaniemi's, uh, the decision made by the Montreal Canadiens. So thank you for listening, everybody. Monday, Habs Notepad to get my thoughts on the Kotkaniemi deal, uh, or else I'll talk to you again next Saturday for an edition of the Canadians Connection podcast here on the Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.